VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. Let's roll. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Moranzi. The Prince, the players, the hustlers, the people of Buffalo, but everybody else in between. Sunday, bloody Sunday has begun. Series XM Channel 1, the 5 9 on the Sports Grid Radio Networks. Let's do this thing. As the Las Vegas Golden Knights are up 4-2 after 2 right now in Edmonton. The Edmonton Oilers facing elimination unless they're able to come back and win this hockey game. It's the little things in life and it's the little things that have done the Edmonton Oilers in in this series against the Vegas Golden Knights. Edmonton has taken and dominated play for the most part, uh, but Vegas strike quickly and Vegas take advantage of their scoring chances and Edmonton play at such a lightning quick speed they give up scoring chances and they also take a lot of bad penalties although I got to tell you I think the referees have um, you know trigger fingers and have happy whistles uh, tonight for a game of this importance Uh, but when it's all said and done right now Edmonton deserve to be where they are and Vegas deserve to be where they are uh, right now Edmonton has more sizzle. Vegas has more stake uh, right now. We'll see what happens in the final 20 minutes of play. The Big E, Eric Cohen, is going to step up in NTSN edge style. Our boy Mo Khan throws it down uh, with us. We've got Ian Cameron, A.K. Babano. We've got a triple threat Sunday, bloody Sunday, this evening. Jason Tatum absolutely destroys the Boston Celtics uh, today as the Philadelphia 76ers fall apart. And Jason Tatum had struggled in this series, yet we live in an era right now, if a player has a bad half, he gets thrown under the bus. He has a bad game, well, whatever, they throw a couple of buses. Um, If he has a couple of bad games, then you know you should trade him or maybe he should retire and he should hang his head in shame forever. But uh, Jason Tatum absolutely kills it uh, today. Uh, one for, you know, a historic, uh, one for, for the memories. But I'll tell you what, you know, and I like Jason Tatum, but he's soaking it all in and all that. Like, that's the problem with today's players. Like, the fact that he even knew that he was getting to 50, right? That he looked up and he did the old 50 thing and stuff. It's like, yeah, whatever, bro. You know what I mean? You guys just struggle to beat the Philadelphia 76ers in this series. And, you know, you lost in the championship last year. Like, does it really matter? Right? Like, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. I don't care, man. I don't care if I score five points or 51 points. It's about you know, it's about winning. But this is the era that we're in uh, right now. And I like Jason Tatum. Uh, Boston are big-time favorites against uh, Miami. Minus 550. They're laying eight in game one. Edmonton makes the goaltending change. Going into the third period of play, Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell between the pipes uh, right now. As they speaking of throwing under the bus, Stuart Skinner gets thrown under the bus. The fourth time he's been taken out. You know, it's the fourth time he's been taken out of a playoff game. I don't really know if it's Skinner's fault. They're looking for a spark. Hey, it is what it is. Let's roll. 
Sunday, bloody Sunday. This is Fortridge. I am Gabriel Morenzi. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people of Boston, and everybody else in between. Let's do this thing. We've got a lot of stuff to unpack and a lot of stuff to break down. We've got a live National Hockey League game uh, going on uh, right now as the Vegas Golden Knights are up 4-2 on the Edmonton Oilers. Vegas will advance to the Western Conference Finals if they hang on to win this game. Edmonton would be eliminated on their home ice. It's been a close game. Edmonton have had their moments, uh, but Edmonton also have these little mini meltdowns. And I got to be honest with you, looking up right now, as I see a Las Vegas Golden Knight player trip someone into the boards. Who is that? Ekbag goes in, into the boards. No penalty called yet. They seem to be calling everything on Edmonton. They got a pretty quick whistle when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers and uh, Vegas take advantage of it. Vegas have been a better team in this series in the sense that they're better fundamentally. They're better at the little things. The Edmonton Oilers are flashy and they can score. But they make a lot of little, little like minor mistakes, and it's all about the little things in life, and it's about the little things in sports. It's a fine line between love and hate. It's a fine line between winning and losing in the postseason. Unless you're the Philadelphia 76ers. What the hell happened? Whatever Doc Rivers said and whatever the Philadelphia 76ers did at halftime of this basketball game needs to be documented so it's never, ever, ever done again. How the hell did, you know, the wheels just completely fell off. The wheels completely fell off. Boston pulls away in the second half. Jason Tatum goes off. And uh, Joel Embiid had some interesting comments after the basketball game in which I think that not only were they incredibly tone deaf, but, it, you know, listen, whatever. Hey, you got your MVP, bro. Remember the MVP trophy you didn't care about, but then you started crying about when you actually won and you celebrated and you guys in Philadelphia acted like you guys won a championship? Yeah, waiting for the game to start and all this type of whatever. Uh, Joel Embiid says, I can't win alone. Me and James, we can't win alone. That's why uh, basketball is played five on five. Yeah, that's all good, bro, except you're the one that sucked today. You're the one that didn't show up. You and Harden didn't show up. Mo Khan, the biggie, Eric Cohen, Ian Cameron, all join us this evening. Sunday, bloody Sunday. This is Fortridge. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. hoping you and your friends could tell me something about baseball strategy. The only thing I know about strategy is that whatever the manager does, it's wrong. Unless it works, in which case he's a button pusher. 
Let's roll. Sunday, bloody Sunday. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Branson. If it's the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between 4-2 in this hockey game uh, right now, a hockey game, a lot of people are wondering why it's being played at the time it's being played at. But nevertheless, it doesn't matter what time it's being played at. The Vegas Golden Knights are up 4-2 right now. Seattle and Dallas will play game seven tomorrow. We'll break it down. We got a bunch of guests stepping up and in. Mo Cod will bat leadoff. We got the Big E, Eric Cohen, TSN Edge in the house. We kick it old school, of course, Cohen. Longtime member of Team Rage when we were on Channel 98 and the Score Television Network. And, of course, we've got Babano who joins us every Wednesday night and Sunday night. So 4-2, 14 minutes remaining. Jason Tatum goes off. Boston Celtics win game seven. And suddenly everybody's back on the Boston or unbeatable bandwagon. Meanwhile, Joel Embiid said after the game, I can't win alone, me and James. We just can't win alone. That's why basketball is played five on five. Says the man who went 5 of 18 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, scored 15 points, gave them eight rebounds tonight. Doesn't sound very MVP-ish to me, actually. Like, you figure, like, you know, read the room, bro. Have a little bit of self-awareness. Like, so basically your first thoughts were, hey, it's not my fault, right? It's not my fault. Well, actually, it kind of was, to be honest, in which, yeah, you played well at times, but you didn't play as well as Jason Tatum did in the end, did you? And listen, I'm not coming at Joel Embiid. There's certain teams. It is what it is. They're not going to win. Philadelphia are just one of those teams. Uh, but as far as Embiid's comments are concerned, I think it's going to rub people the wrong way, especially considering Joel Embiid averaged 33.1 points per game in a regular season. He scored 23.7 points per game in the playoffs. Okay. As I stated, I'm not trying to call him out, but the fact of the matter is the drop-off of 9.4 points is the largest by any MVP in NBA history. Just saying. So maybe, Joel, maybe right after the game's not the time to be, I don't know who you think, you know, throwing everybody else under the bus besides you and James Harden. And by the way, Harden sucked today, too. Let's bring in Mo Khan, TSN Radio in the house. Mo, always a pleasure. How you doing tonight? Uh, better than the Sixers and Oilers as we speak, Gabe. Yeah, and they're both very similar, and they're both in similar situations, actually, in the sense that if you look at the first half of that basketball game today, it's a 55-52 game. They're in the game. They led for most of the first half, to be honest. Jason Tatum was heating up, and they were still in the game. They were trading punches. They were going back and forth. If you were Philadelphia, you had to be pretty comfortable about where you were at, um, at 55-52 at the break. And then the wheels fall off in the third quarter. They scored 10 points. It's their lowest amount in modern NBA history in the shot clock era um, by the Philadelphia 76ers in their playoff history. And it was basically a span of a couple of minutes, and the game was over, Mo. Yeah, you know, Gabe, we can, this, game, this series wasn't lost today. It was lost 72 hours ago when after they beat the Celtics, scored 3-2 in the series, uh, they could have put them away in Philly, right? I mean, that was where I thought – for Philadelphia, if they could have beat them in, in, in their home court, they weren't going to go to Boston and beat them in seven. And it was funny how the narrative was, would Joe Mazzola lose his job? Would they get rid of Brown? Would they get rid of the court and reload with Jason Tatum? And, and now today, right, with what we saw in that second half and that, and that abominable play by the Sixers, you have to worry now for what Philly's going to do with, with the Harris ownership. Will they now let go of Doc Rivers? Will they look to blow up this whole organization and look to rebuild? Because quite frankly, Gabe, they've been on this whatever call reboot, re reload for the last six years, and the last few years in the prime of Joel Embiid's career, they've come up dramatically short. And you have to warn that moving forward towards this franchise's direction, what do they do now? Given that Miami's gonna be better, and all those teams that they that were weaker this year will look to reload and get better for next season. Well. It's obvious that, listen, Doc Rivers is going to be a scapegoat, and he could be a target for everybody. But let's not uh, forget, they used to blame everything that happened on this team. And if not for Brett Brown, Mo, right? Yeah. If not for Coach Brett Brown, this team would have won six championships. So, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? They're almost like the Toronto Maple Leafs. They are who they are. 
Right, you can change the coach. All right, change the coach. It's not changing. It's you change the coach. It's not changing who Joel Embiid is. And Joel Embiid is a really good player. But as we just stated, not like he dominated in the playoffs or anything. He had his moments. No. Um, we can talk. Well, he wasn't hundred percent this or that. Well, whatever. It is what it is. When it's all uh, said and done. Put it this way. The fact is they haven't made it to a conference final since the Iverson era, bro. That says it all. That says it all right there, Mo. It really does, and it's, it's an indictment on the team's core built, right? We, we talked about when they made a trade for Harden, what, 18 months ago. Uh, it, it was a two-year window, right? The window's now at that point in the fork in the road, Gabe, where now they have to decide, what are we going to do with Harden? Do we keep him on board here with what he's going to make for his salary? You look at Maxie. Word is, six. he doesn't even want to stay anyways, Harden. Yeah, like he wants to go Houston, work. right? <laughs> bam. <laughs> like, bam. And you know? Supposedly, he wants to return to Houston. Remember when he left Houston? He said, listen, I'm leaving because the team sucks. I'm not leaving because yeah. I don't like it here. He goes, I got restaurants here. I got businesses here. He lives there still. He's like, I live here. He goes, I love you guys. It's just I got to get out of here. <laughs> like, I got to get away from this team. But it looks like, yeah, word on the street is he's 1 million percent open to going back to Houston. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. I think if you're a Philly fan, you might be relieved by that because you look at Max, who I think is going to be a star in the making. And when we spoke last Sunday, you asked me which guy to watch out for Philly was was Maxi. He had a great game when they won, and they and they were up three two in the series. And I just think now moving forward here, uh, whether or not Harden's going to be there next year, who knows? But the reality is that this core base has to improve because Tobias Harris and these guys have reached the limitation for what they are as a franchise, which is pretty much a two round team, and that's about it. Where can they get better at? You know, you look at Eric Spolstra. He's a great coach, has maximized the lesser talent in Miami. You look at Joe Muzula with what he's done. Look, reality is this Boston team isn't the same team from last year, but he maximized what he had to do in game six and seven to force or to force game seven to win that and now go into the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think right now, from a coaching perspective and from a roster uh, construction here, a stiff examination will be required on whether or not this team is better now or will be better for next spring moving forward. Well, you could argue that Boston should have beaten Miami a couple of years ago. Let's not forget that they played in the conference finals in the bubble, right? Right. When Miami lost to the Los Angeles Lakers, Boston are a more mature team right now. They have the experience of making it to the finals last year. The odds makers are not giving the Miami Heat much of a chance in this series, although the odds makers have been wrong uh, in these NBA playoffs. But as far as the opening number is concerned, the Boston Celtics, Mo, they're basically five to one favorites. It's minus five fifty. So yeah. that's you know, yeah. put it in context, the Denver Nuggets are minus one forty five against the um the LA Lakers. So the odds makers think it's a slam dunk that Boston are gonna win this series. Do you think Miami can play with them? Or do you think Boston are going back to the finals again? I think Miami can't play with them, but the question is will be will be what's the in game adjustments for Spolstra? Because you look at that win against New York on Friday night game, right? They were down a uh, ten plus in the first half, right? They didn't play well. And, and the Knicks, albeit aren't the Celtics. And if, and you think about it from this context, Boston's a better team than New York is. And if they are down ten plus the Celtics in games one, two, whatever it might be, however however long it goes. They're not going to win those games. So I think a good start will be required for them. I think their depth has to be key for them in the series here. I think Bam has to dominate the paint uh, against a much older Al Horford for what he brings. But I think at the end of the day here, it's not really have to worry about. It's what the match point back can do against the better point back in the Boston My deal is I think Miami can play with them. And I think, listen, Boston had those moments. So nothing's easy for the Boston Celtics. But at the same point in time, can Miami really beat them four out of seven times? More with Mo on the other side. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide 
at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Sports Rage Late Night with Gabe Marinci. All right, there's not usually live action going on on a Sunday night uh, like this at this time. Uh, but we've got a live in-game play for you here. Listen, a total of seven and a half in this hockey game right now. It's 4-2. It's 4-2. There's 6.55 left. We're on a, TV, we're on a uh, quick commercial uh, TV timeout here. So there's 6.50, a little under seven minutes left. 6.55 left. It's 4-2 in a hockey game. The total is seven and a half right now. Over seven and a half is plus 250. I just took a shot with this. This is an elimination game. The Edmonton Oilers are going to pull the goalie in a couple of minutes if they have to. And put it this way, if the Oilers score and they make it 4-3, they're going to definitely pull the goalie again. If they're not scoring here and they're down 4-2, they have no choice. They're going to pull the goalie with like two and a half, three minutes left in this game. Maybe sooner. I don't know like how, how modern Woodcroft wants to go about this. Uh, but nevertheless, at that price, it's worth a shot. Uh, plus 250 $100 pays back $350. I think it's worth a shot. Mo Khan with us uh, right now, Mo. Uh, it doesn't look like Edmonton are coming back, uh, to be honest here. I mean, no, they're out shooting no. them 34-20, but they're running out of racetrack, <laughs> as the late great Ted Teven, uh would say. Oh, yeah. They could score a late one. Like I said, for my bet, I think we could get there because do you agree? At what point do you think Woodcroft's going to pull a goalie if it's remaining 4-2 here? It's an elimination game. He's not going to have a choice. I'm thinking maybe three and a half minutes type of thing. Yeah, I think it might be earlier game because with what six forty left in the, in the hockey game, he might need to get that that first goal with four minutes to go, right? And hopefully have some chaos happen to get that miracle uh, fourth goal at some point. But I think now with what this team has done, Gabe, the, the Oilers missed their chance in the first period when they came out. It was three goals in the first ninety seconds of play. Uh, they couldn't find that third goal. I thought that was critical for them. And had they got that third goal late in the first period, I think that would have killed the will of the Knights going towards the second period. And Marshall went off on, on a rampage with three goals in the second period. And now here we are, where questions will be like with the Sixers, with the others, right? Connor McDavid, if they don't win now, are they wasting his prime years on dry saddle to say, well, we can have two great players, but we can't build around them to become a cup contender going forward? And, you know, listen, you don't want to make excuses or anything, but look what just happened again. What a coincidence. Buddy on the Oilers is, like, bleeding profusely on his face, no penalty. It's funny how they seem to miss everything Vegas does, but, you know, there's been some soft calls on Edmonton tonight, man. I'll tell you that, but it is what it is. Edmonton have put themselves in a position that they're in uh, right now. Five and a half minutes remaining in this hockey game. What do you think about Game 7, Mo, of uh, Seattle and the Dallas Stars on Monday night? I can't wait. I'm I'm just fascinated by the goaltending, right, for the Stars. What did they do in this reaction? Because, again, they got clunked on Saturday up in Seattle, right? The goaltending was not that great. Andre was not that great in that matchup that they had. And what did they do moving forward here? I think for the Kraken, the key for them will be their depth, right? The depth played so well for them on Saturday night and how well they were able to control the narrative uh, in both ends of the rink. So I just think in this situation now for the Dallas Stars, I think that the edge will be will be towards them because of what they've gone through and this being new for the Seattle Kraken. But I think right now, Gabe, look at the Kraken. They've been putting up house money the entire time, coming into the playoffs, knocking out the avalanche in the air of the yard. 
are uh, potentially knocking out the Stars and maybe going to the third round uh, in their second year of existence. So I think it'll come down to the death play, and it might be the Stars with a lot of that edge going into tomorrow night's game in Dallas. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that as well, that all the pressure tomorrow night is on the Dallas Stars. Edmonton are buzzing around right now. They're starting to raise it up a notch. There's four and a half minutes remaining. We'll see when Woodcroft pulls the trigger here. Like I said, we'll see if they can bang one in here. They've come close over the last 30, 30, 45 seconds. So as you stated, as as you talked about off the top there a couple of minutes ago, Edmonton didn't take advantage in the first period. And I don't know what it is. We We saw it with Toronto often. I think Edmonton's fans are a little louder and it's a funner building in Edmonton than it is in Toronto. Toronto has that, oh no, here we go again, like the worst (laughs) is going to happen all the time uh, mentality. Oh my God, how the hell did that stay out of the net? As somebody that just bet, I'm like, come on, man. You're telling me like, man, they should have scored like two or three times. There also should have been like two or three penalties on Vegas, I think, in the last two minutes, but it is what it is. But, wow, Hill has stepped up with some big-time saves right there. But we've seen it, and we saw it earlier in this series, in which time and time again, the Edmonton Oilers, we saw, we've seen it in past years as well. The, you know what I mean? Like, whenever you hear people talk, oh, that building's going to be rocking, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's always rocking to Winnipeg for their whiteouts. They're like 3-12 and yep. 12 in their last 15 playoff games at home. We saw the Toronto Maple Leafs were terrible at home in the playoffs. And the Edmonton Oilers, time and time again, they have this big pop. The crowd's going crazy. They come out. They score an early goal. And then the wheels just completely fall off all the time, Mo. Yeah, it's something in their DNA, Gabe. And it's been that situation for them. It's been problematic for them uh, for the last few years, right, when they got to the playoffs. And I think in this game here, it best summarizes what they are. They are a two-person team, and afterwards they pray to the hockey guys that their supporting cast can play well. They have not done so, right? Where's Evander Kane? Where's Zach Hyman? Guys that they brought in uh, to be difference makers that have not been so in the series. And I just think the goaltend has failed the Oilers, as has done in the last few years. I mean, Skinner, Campbell, you brought in Campbell during the offseason last summer to believe that he was a difference maker to carry your team to the next round. And, and, and in all likelihood, they're not going to go beyond the second round once again. And if you're Connor McDavid, Gabe, right, he's got to take a look at himself in the mirror and say, look, I'm one of the most powerful players in the NHL. It's time for me to use my player empowerment and tell the Oilers, you better build a team around me. Otherwise, I might leave or demand a trade the next year or so because I cannot waste my prime years and be like Aaron Rodgers minus the, the ring in the scenario to be with Empton and not do well. And Gabe, think about it right now, right? The bracket was set up well for them. An Avalanche team down for the count with the injuries that they had to go through, right? A lot more upsets on the eastern side of the back bracket right now that this team had a chance to go and make a run for the Cup. And they probably were wasted and wasted the year of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I can't disagree with that, but at the same point in time, I think McDavid does deserve something. He's part of the team. He hasn't had the greatest series uh, here, to be honest. No, he has not. Um, and, and let's be real. And I No, listen, I get it. Listen, Skinner needs to be better, um, right? And you could argue maybe they should have started Campbell here or there and whatnot, but the fact of the matter is they were favorites to win the Cup along with the Leafs. Right, yep. So, like, the expectations right. were there. And a lot of us thought, hey, this team is good enough. So, it's easy to say after all the time, well, look at, you know, it's not McDavid and it's everybody. They do have good players. They're not having a great game right now tonight. You know, and once again, it's going to come back to the coach. It's going to come back to the goaltending. But the goaltending was an issue here. Skinner was not up. There was just too many. You, you can't play where you need to hold your breath every time the other team shoots, right? Yeah, that's sort of that Skinner right. thing where he lets in a bad goal. He'll make a good save, yes, but the erraticness is a problem. They really didn't do him any favor. Let's be real, too. I mean, Vegas have scored a lot of those goals on a power play where he really didn't have much of a chance. So they pulled the goalie right now. There's 320 left. So as I stated, guys, we put the money down. It's just all things considering, we can't ask for more. There's an empty F and net with three minutes right now. Give us two goals. <laughs> Give us an Edmonton goal right here. We're going to hit it for sure. You know, they always gave have you know, three-plus goals in seven playoff games this year. You're not going to win a cup when you, when you do that type of outcome of, of three-plus goals in seven playoff games this year. You're not going to do that at all. Vegas, you know, if you look at the pattern, you look at Carolina, you look at Florida, very fundamental teams, right? Let's not make a lot of mistakes. Let's just play smart hockey. And they capitalize on your mistakes. 
we're seeing most of the star, all the star-laden teams are pretty much done. But I guess that's what makes, I think maybe people have underestimated Vegas a little bit, including myself, in that they have star players, but they also have grit. They're big dudes. They play pretty physical, playoff-style hockey. They don't really get rattled. This is a good Vegas team. It is, Gabe. And, you know, ESPN interviewed Bruce Cassidy after they were down 2-1, right, I think in the first five of the game. And he was relaxed. He's like, you know what? Empton beat us to the punch, right? We got to make our adjustments and come back stronger. We're not playing better hockey than Empton is. And that's what they did. They, they, their in-game adjustments have been far superior to what Jay Woodcroft could not do. And I think that's the experience of Bruce Cassidy as a head coach compared to Woodcroft at this juncture, right? It's only Woodcroft's real first year as a full-time head coach in the NHL. And I think this is a learning experience for the Oilers that they have to look at themselves and say, what can we do better now to compete with the Knights or to compete with the Avalanche when we think we'll be better and healthier next year um, for next year? Next fall. So I think right now for this older team, so many question marks and a wasted year once more on what they could have been a, a cup run for them in the city. I think they're big, one of their biggest issues, and it was a cost them the game in Vegas the other night was penalties. Yeah. Right? They just, they take, they're too undisciplined. They take, you know, it's one thing to play on edge and stuff, but even earlier tonight, one, I forget who it was. It might have been Fogel. Somebody cross-checked someone into the board. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, there was no need to do it, right? Like, why? Like, what, what did you do that for right now? Like, you know what I mean? There's enough scrums and stuff after the play. You can get a shot in. There's always stuff like they just do stupid things that you that are that would upset a coach in a regular season, let alone in the playoffs. Like, there's no reason to cross-check the guy and board the guy. But you did it. And Vegas scored. So I hope you're happy that it was worth it, that you slammed him. Oh, all right, here's one of them. We're not going to get there because there's only 38 left. <laughs> you never see never, Gabe. You never see never. You're right. Never. Leave the goalie out. <laughs> yeah, they, they might do so, Gabe. They might, right? Uh, they have to lose, right? Come on. I need one more. <laughs> But this, this, this is an example here. You look at a, a Marshall or, or a Carlson, whatever it is, that's the depth that Vegas has built up and has won. Empton does not have that type of depth to win in the series no. like it was against the Vegas Knights. No, they're going to have to figure that out. But I'll tell you what, only one team wins in the end. So there's a lot of teams that need to figure things out. But... To lose on home ice like this and continuously have opportunities that you've been giving if you're the Edmonton Oilers. Welcome to the Toronto Maple Leafs Club. This is Portrait. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, Mo, that team sure did suck last night. They just played sucked. Well, I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. 
don't know. He could be talking about Philadelphia. He could be talking about Edmonton. Connor McDavid records his 75th career postseason point in just his 49th playoff game. Only three players in NHL history have more points before their 50 career playoff game. Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. Uh, and Leon Dreisaitl actually uh, had the same amount. Um, it doesn't matter, though, does it? That's what I was going to get to here. The Oilers, they're going to put up the numbers and, you know, and all this and all that. We're seeing, man, grit wins in the National Hockey League, and grit is winning out. The only people that have lost, really, are the television networks, to be honest. Mo, man, this, like, this is, like... <laughs> They've got problems. <laughs> like I'll just put it that way. They're, they're going to have problems. Listen, Florida and Carolina, let's just be real. Like, it's a pretty hard series to get excited about, right? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know what? It, it, if Vancouver can get a, a Vegas, Seattle, or Vegas, whatever, stars, I think they'll be okay with that. Uh, but you're right, though, right? The, the, the regional Dallas is Astros, a big market. But I'm just Dallas stating it either market. way. You're, you're in Vegas. Vegas is a big market, too. Vegas, I think if you're the NHL, you just prefer Vegas win. They're a new team. Win the damn cup. They'll sell a bunch of season tickets forever. People will watch in Nevada. But, like, dear God, like, this is this is going to be a television nightmare for them. Like, the Panthers or the, Kane, or the Canes are in the finals. They're, you know, their worst-case scenario, even though they're an expansion team, a Pacific Northwest team, Seattle. <laughs> but, hey, it is what it is. I don't, you know, the playoff format sucks. The playoff format sucks. And this isn't of like, oh, I have any excuses for any teams that have lost, really. But this is what happens. You get these big-time markets and these big-time teams playing each other in the first round when they shouldn't be. Right? I mean, you have the second and third best teams in the league playing each other and stuff. It's ridiculously stupid. So this is what happens. This is how the Montreal Canadiens made it to the couple a couple of years ago. Let's be real. Right? right, I mean, it's it's this format. It opens up the door, and then by the time you get to the finals, nobody really cares anymore. To be honest, no, no one does, Gabe. And the thing is, though, right? If you're if you're if you're an NHL media who's about to cover the Cup final in a few weeks, you hope it's a Vegas Florida final because I would rather be in Miami and Vegas than be in Raleigh, North Carolina, or Seattle, right during the summer months here. But but I just think that from a TV network and from a playoff structure, you know, Gary Bevin's dead set on having this format. He believes in geography rivalries, which, you know, like in, in respect to what Batman has made the point before, Gabe, in this new playoff format, we, we got Toronto, Montreal in the lockout, right? We got New Jersey Rangers uh, this past spring. We got more of that regional angle of what we didn't have in years past in the traditional one versus eight uh, regardless where you're located. So I think that helps. But I think now for the NHL, they have to look at it from this perspective. Are you looking for a fast start and a slow finish, or do you want to have that slow burn where you may not have the most sexiest playoff matchup in rounds one, but come rounds two, three in the cup final, you have best on best with the star power at that juncture then round run and then being bounced out early as it was for Colorado and Boston included. I think they think that people sort of start to tune out. And it's nothing against the sport itself, but it's too late in the year for it. You know what I'm saying? Like the hockey isn't supposed to be played in mid-June, man. Right, let's just cut no, to the chase here. Right? Late May. Late May should be yes. done, Gabe. You and I both know that. Yeah, like that maximum it ends like the first weekend of June or something. And then you should like, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I remember seeing pictures. You remember like, uh, you know, you look at um, photographs at a Montreal Canadian Stanley Cup parades and stuff. And you'll see like Guy Lafleur holds Stanley Cup photographed. May 24th, right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. May 20, whatever. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, the cup was given in May. And, you know, maybe the parade would be in June 1st or something. But, like, it was always like, ah, it's over in May. And then June, you don't play hockey in June. It's over. And then it sort of stretched. I mean, and, and I get it. You know, the pandemic threw some things off. They played once in July. The Montreal-Tampa one was in July, which was right. ridiculous. Right. Um, it's just, and I think it's a problem. You know, and people are watching hockey so long. By the time it gets to that and the weather's nice, especially in other hockey markets, people don't want to be inside. And I think when you get to – and I've been saying this for years, so this isn't new. It's just it's a thing with the Stanley Cup. By the time you get to the finals, it's such a grind. You've watched so much hockey. Unless you're really a diehard fan, 
right, of the team that's in it, or it's like somehow some crazy, flashy, sexy matchup, but it won't be. <laughs> no, no. Like, yeah, welcome to the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals where the Dallas Stars take on the Carolina Hurricanes. It's like, oh, God, like, really? This is what we're doing here, but this is what it's going to be. Like, It goes back to your point, Gabe, right, with, with TV numbers, right? Because, you know, with I being in Montreal, we're, we're in snow for pretty much the entire hockey season, right? Once June hits, a lot of people in cold weather cities would rather be outdoors. Yeah, the cities that love the... hockey, cold weather cities. Like, let's say yeah. Minneapolis, St. Paul or something, right? And they're right. out at the lake. Unless... they got 10,000 of them. <laughs> exactly. But unless your team's involved, like, you want to be far away from the TV during the summer months because we have so little of it in, in the cold weather cities. And, and I think now for the NHL, and you're bang on, right? How do you kind of – maybe do you start the season maybe two weeks earlier – and therefore, you would finish maybe late May, early June, because again, you, you see how it is, Gabe. That maybe you go mid-September and then start the year off. Because remember, you're going up against uh, the start of the NBA season. You're in the smack dab of the NFL season. Uh, baseball playoffs begins early October. So when can the NHL really have its own moment of glory here? And I think now, as we move towards June, they're going to be swallowed up by the NBA playoffs here and other events that will happen in the month of June. U.S. Open for golf included. So I don't know how the NHL can really thrive and elevate its pro file, even with TNT and ESPN being the American partners going forward. So the Carolina Hurricanes are now the Stanley Cup favorites. The Canes are plus 220 to win the Cup. The Vegas Golden Knights are plus 225. The Florida Panthers are plus 325. The Dallas Stars are plus 525. And the Seattle Kraken are 13 to 1. Dallas is, if Dallas wins tomorrow, they'll, you know, they'll significantly go down. So where I'm getting, you know, if, if you do believe in the Dallas Stars, and they are a good team, if you do believe in the Dallas Stars and you think they're going to win this game, yeah, they're not going to be plus – like Boston were plus 400 a couple of days ago when yeah. they were down suddenly 3-2, right? So you're getting Dallas at plus 525. If you think they're going to win, or you can make the argument, hey, if you think Seattle are going to win, you're getting 13-1, to which is a uh, a great number uh, right there. Mo Khan, kick it So who do you think wins the Stanley Cup? And we'll move on to some football talk. Who do you think wins the Cup? I think Carolina, you know, Gabe, I love Rob Brindamore, what he's built up, right? He, he's been able to extract the best out of Ajo – uh, you're very cockney, who I know very well in Montreal. We can do it here in Montreal, but now Carolina's found himself in the playoff run. I think their goaltending has been solid. Uh, that's a team that's played with with vibrancy, with the, with an edge, with with courage that has not been seen from them in years past. Here, and this thing that Brendan Moore has this team playing well. They got that long rest period now before they play the Panthers this week. Here, so give me the Panthers to come out of the East. And I think depending on who it is, I, I believe the Knights will come out of the West, and we'll have a Hurricane Vegas Knights final in about a few weeks from now. Mo Conkin with us for a couple more moments. I am Gable Morenci. So we started off the show. We had live games going on with the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. We talked about what happened in the NBA. Today we'll get Mo's thoughts on the Nuggets and the Lakers in a minute. But uh, John Morant, uh, John Morant, for one reason or another, thought it would be a good idea to post another video on Instagram um, waving a gun around. I don't know what the I don't know what was what was put in his suspension the last time moving forward. I don't right. know what he what he was told what he can and can't do cuz the first thing obviously is listen, the kid's an idiot number 1. Number 2 though, I'm thinking, well, if he's in a legal state where guns are allowed, it's not it's not prohibited, right, to do a video with a gun. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sort of thinking about both sides of it. But then, you know, then again, he is an employee of the the Memphis Grizzlies, and he represents the Memphis Grizzlies. So then you get into they can do whatever the hell they want to do. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, though, Mo, that when they lost to the Lakers, he actually said, one one asked, did the off-court issues affect you and affect this team? And he said, yes, they did. <laughs> right? Like He said, yes, they did. And he said, I need to do a better job of being a better leader. I need to make better decisions because this team sort of follows me on how I act. Well, here we are, I don't know, less than two weeks later, is it? You know what I mean? And here we are. I don't. I don't get it. It is. I, I don't. I don't understand what's going on in this kid's mind. And you know, Nike. It's not official yet, but Nike's going to drop them. And word is they're about to pause. You know, pausing a relationship always means we're going to drop you. We're just figuring out the legal ease of this. 
I don't know what the deal is. I would say, you know what? Where the hell are his parents? But whatever. His father's sitting courtside encouraging all this crap on, bro. So what's your take on John Morant? So, you know, Gabe, I'll never compare the two because it's two different scenarios, but I'll use the same analogy, right? It's sort of like an addict who says, yeah, I'm recovering, I'm getting better, and then they go behind your back and do the same thing, right? And John Moratton came on TV and said, hey, I'm, I'm doing what has to be done to better my image and be a better role model and do this, do that, and be a better leader. And he goes back to doing what got him in trouble in the first place, right? Being immature and not understanding his value, what he is as a community member, and being the face of the franchise. And you had a great tweet, right? If if the late Stern, Commissioner Stern, was still alive here, John Mott would have been suspended for the year. And, and I think now in this situation for Adam Silver, he has to take the, 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 the letter of the law and give him a, a hardcore suspension because you can ill afford to have one of your star players be in that position, Gabe. Because if you allow him to do that, then you're saying to every other player in the NBA, hey, I can do the exact same thing and, 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 and flash a gun in a video on, on, on TikTok or on Instagram and not get in trouble for what I did. Gilbert Arenas on his, I saw his podcast said, that David Stern called him into the office and basically told him, you're getting 50 games, and if you have a problem with that, I'll nullify your contract and kick you out of the league. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gilbert was like, damn. He said, he said Stern wasn't playing around. He goes, I was sitting there, and I was like, what? You're going to kick me out of the league and like nullify my contract? And then I was thinking, do I really want to get into a war with the commissioner of the NBA and David Stern? You know, and you heard Silver was more, Silver's more like their friend or that sort of, you know, the nice parent, right? While he was really sorry, I, I got the feeling that he really was sorry and contrite about it. As you stated, and let's be real, I was kind of one of the first to do it, and I like him, and I didn't, you know, I don't want to call him out, but I basically said we have an absentee commissioner, right, in the NBA. He never did anything to Kyrie Irving. The Nets did. The league never yeah. did anything. There was never no. any official. Any, that was nothing from the league, ever. The Nets were the ones yeah. that finally said, yo, yo, don't come to work, bro. Right? So, and then I saw Tony Kornheiser say, the NBA doesn't have a commissioner. And I was like, wow, there's pretty strong words. You know what I mean? And so now, Morant has given Silver no choice. Everybody thinks this guy is softer than a soft scoop Dairy Queen Sunday, bro. He has no choice but to lay the hammer down. And Woj is talking about maybe half the year, maybe the year. Like, people are coming out. And I, it was interesting what Woj said. That he said that other owners are tired of it now. That it's hurting the reputation of the NBA. They got it. You know, Jaws got a real problem on his head. It's like, like I said... Silver will not have a choice but to dole out a serious suspension, bro. I'm thinking maybe 40 games or something. Yeah, I'll give you the best example, right? When the Cowboys had Bill Parcells, he was a stern, and Wade Phillips was the Adam Silver, right? It's that Ned Flanders lost in their uh, judgment. And he's got to come out here and lay the statement down that John Ryan will spend it for half of the full year make them an example. We'll wrap up with Mo. We'll, uh, we got the NFL schedule release. We'll ask Mo what he's most looking forward to, what schedule he likes. This is Sport Trades. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts 
to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Quick as Hunter Amos and Sports Talk Radio. This is Sports Rage. I am Renzi. Mo Khan kicking with us. So, Mo, NFL schedule uh, release. Um, what are your thoughts? We've got the Buffalo Bills. You and I spoke last week about what we thought they were going to do with the yeah. opening Monday nighter. They end up going with the Buffalo Bills. It was interesting. There was, you know, there was the thought that they could go with the Giants and Jets, but I read that they didn't like the fact that uh, the Giants and Jets play each other in the final preseason game every year. Right. So they thought it, they thought it would have been anticlimactic to have these two teams play on 9-11, but they end up giving the Giants the Sunday nighter. So they wanted both teams to be part of it, uh, you know, to, to be able to honor the, uh, the the victims and the heroes, et cetera. What did you think? What game are you most looking forward to uh, to watching in week one? I tell you, that 49er Steeler game's flying under the radar, Mo. Your Raiders get the Broncos in week one. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think right now for me, uh, the, that Eagle-Patriot game is, is going to be fascinating, right? Because where, where will the Pats stand with their offensive development under Mac Jones with Bill O'Brien as the OC, right? Uh, will there be a hangover with the Eagles uh, with them losing in the Super Bowl and, and then being hyped up as being the, the team to watch out for in the NFC? So I'm just curious by that game because, again, if you look at the ticket sales right now, that is the most expensive ticket as we speak to get into because of them honoring Tom Brady in week one when the Eagles play Isn't the Isn't that Patriots. strange that they're honoring <laughs> him against a team that beat him in the Super Bowl? <laughs> it's, it's ironic, right? And, and, and I think as a whole, though, Gabe, right, the toughest schedule that I think going into this season will be the Dallas Cowboys. You look at how brutal it is. In the first six weeks, four are on the road. And the last four weeks of the year, three of the final four are on the road. So they start off with a road-heavy schedule, and they end off with a road-heavy schedule. So I'll be curious to see how the Cowboys will do early on before the bye week in week seven, if they could be maybe four and two, not five and one. Mo Khan, Mo Khan 19, Twitter. Great stuff as always, uh, Mo. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Oh, Lakers Nuggets, who wins the series? Uh, I got the Lakers in seven, my friend. Lakers in seven. The Late Night Anger Management class continues. Bring it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.